Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, October 6th. It's episode 98. I am Tony. And I'm Dennis. And we have something we haven't had in a long time. A long time. A will to live? Yes. And a guest. Oh, okay. And our guest is the world famous Jason Knapp of Knapp Arcade, which we do have a link in the show notes. If for some reason you are not following Knapp Arcade on Facebook, it's one man's journey to experience every arcade whilst <laughs> his sons play the most East Coast bourgeois sport known, lacrosse. <laughs> so, Jason, welcome again welcome. to the show because you've been on before. Greetings, gentlemen. That's a repeat guest. You yes. have actually my ex- my exclusive arrangement for podcast guestdom. Is mm. that a word? Guestum? <laughs> uh, uh, it's a Bruceism, if, there's, <laughs> if not. So, uh, Mr. Nightingale yep. from the Slam Tilt Podcast, fond of inventing new words. Yep. And so it's our intro time. So, Jason, you can talk about whatever's going on, or if you want to promote mm. what you do on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have a lot, I mean, like tenfold the followers that we at Eclectic Gamers do on Facebook. So you're doing something right, or we're doing something <laughs> yeah. wrong. I'm not quite sure. Or both. <laughs> or, yeah, let's. Wh- could, why, why not, not both? both? Uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, I don't know. I really probably should have planned something to say, but I can still uh, wing it. Uh, I started an Instagram account. That's that's new. The Nap Arcade Instagram account. It's not like the Facebook page where I share news and, and articles and stuff like that. It's just pictures, just straight up pictures of uh, arcades that I've taken across the country. And we went out west coast and. I did a lot of free gold watch and ace goji and stuff like that. And then I've done all up and down the East coast and, uh, coming up, uh, a friend of mine and I are going to make the trip South. We're going to do uh, mom's organic market and crab town and a lot of the Maryland arcades. So I just picked up the new, uh, iPhone 11 pro. So the pictures are looking good. If anybody wants to follow the, uh, Instagram account on there, it's uh nap arcade, obviously on Instagram. So yeah, yeah. That, that's new. Yeah, and I'm sure Apple's uh, check for your uh, sponsorship will be in the mail at any yeah. moment. Oh, yeah. Can you make money off of Instagram? I guess you can. People probably do. <laughs> you're, I certainly- you're, you're an influencer now. Oh, yeah. TwitchCon, E3. They might invite you to Expo to be in Media <laughs> Row. Did you oh, get a Media Row invite? Uh, definitely not. Oh, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to Ken Cromwell about that. I don't fit into any sort of uh, special guest invites for anything. I don't know. I get what? invited on your podcast once a year. That's about it. That's about your it. your major print, and we're gonna talk about one of the stories that at least I credit you for breaking uh, oh, here yeah. in a little bit. But uh, okay, well, uh, welcome back, Jason, Tony. Well, welcome back to my house because that's where we're recording. Yes, What's going I have on? Not been here in in. <laughs> 12 hours yeah we should try to get jason to do the recording on saturday night but we didn't know how long we'd last in the tournament yeah we could have won that tournament we I could mean, have. It, it was close it was, it was feasible uh but what i've been doing no it's been you know when you get that period of time where it's like two weeks but it feels like what happened two weeks ago was like a month and a half ago that's mm-hmm. where i'm sitting right now okay but because it feels like it's been a month since we recorded our last episode our last episode just was just was I'm going to talk insanely here for a it second. It was two weeks in a day. Two weeks in a day ago, because we did it on a Saturday, because I was going to Chicago. And Chicago was great, but the only part that people here really care about is, yes, I made it to Logan Arcade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not make it to headquarters. I did not make it to Galloping Ghost. I didn't make it anywhere else. But Logan was pretty awesome. I spent a few hours there, played a lot of machines. 
Did you put your initials on any of them? I did put my initials on a machine in first place. <gasps> Champion Whoa. Pub? Burger Time. Oh, Burger Time. Burger Time. You love Burger Time. <laughs> Tony talks about Burger Time. Burger Time uh, is like my favorite old arcade. A few game. times a year, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have but, memories of playing that at Showbiz Pizza Place back in the oh, day. Showbiz. Oh, Showbiz. Yeah. yeah, that was the place for birthdays around here. It's, yeah. it's now, oh, yeah. I believe, a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, they were, were. Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese bought them. Did they buy them? Yeah. I wasn't sure they bought them or just took over the building. Here. No, no, they, the the companies like were merged. Did you know that the Showbiz was what, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Bushnell got to keep when he was out at, out at Atari. He asked to get to keep from Warner. He wanted to keep showbiz and they didn't want it. So they let him have <laughs> so, it. So you got, yep, got to have it. I think he actually founded Chuck E. Cheese, Nolan Bushnell. Mm. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. I, I know I watched, I can't remember. There was a defunct land on Chuck E. Cheese. I haven't seen that one yet. Is. Okay. Well, you got oh. to see the animatronic band at uh, yes. yeah. Logan and, then. In fact, I think there's a retro arcade bar here in the Kansas City area that has a bunch of those animatrons now. I think they're trying to sell them, actually. Uh, yes, for too much those, money. Those things go for way more way more money than normal people would spend on a, a robot band member. Well, at but least they try to go for that on eBay. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Them <laughs> and l- let's be honest. How many people are normal people will be wanting to purchase normal something people. like that that's anyway? So, so mean. I don't think I'd want just one, though. I'd like, no, that's, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't want like the dude who plays the drums or something, and then you just have one band member in your house. Like I would want all of them, and then it would take up so much space, you wouldn't be able to do it. You'd have to get rid of your checks ho- bubble hockey. Yeah. <laughs> I traded that a while ago. What did I trade that for? Big guns, I think. Oh, oh, that's a fun game. I think Big Guns is too tall to fit in my game room. It was. It was too tall. It was in my garage, so then I had to sell it because it was, like, too big. Yep, <laughs> so, too big. You can't just my Jurassic Park only barely is fitting against where the low overhang is where I line all my pins up in there. So it's like, there's no way Big Guns is going in there. Yeah, no. It's too bad. Cause... Speaking of Jurassic Park, tell him to get me my Jurassic Park. Oh, did you order one? I have a premium coming. From which distributor? Oh, flipping out, of course. Flipping out pinball. Okay, well, I will be following up with Zach then after this and saying, where is Jason's Jurassic Park? The media <laughs> demands answers. That's right. In the meantime, it's been so long, I got sucked into buying something else and because I just couldn't resist. I was looking for a Game of Thrones Pro for forever locally, one that wasn't like... Because you ever see them on Pinside, people like mod them out to like the gills and then try to charge more than new on box price for them. Yeah. Like, huh? So <laughs> I found one locally with, had a color DMD shaker, all this stuff. And it was pretty significantly less than a new in box price. So I was like, uh Oh, how am I going to make this happen? Because <laughs> I already, I'm already waiting for another expensive pin. So I had to sell world cup soccer to make it happen. Yeah, actually I should. I listed my Jurassic park here and a couple other games in the Kansas city Facebook group to try and make some space. And I've been looking more aggressively for a walking dead. That's not modded out that I can just get. And probably will be, a, would be a pro because I'm mm-hmm. a little, probably too cheap for a You're premium. Cheap quite for the, yeah. For quite the, frankly. You, yeah, you I don't think you the, don't want the walking the dead. Bombs. Walking dead's one of those things where I don't think it matters that much. Uh, I, would, I mean, mech wise, I don't think it's a huge deal and you do get more, more uh, convenient ramp shots, but the loss of the Walker bombs is frustrating from a from a gameplay perspective because it, they open up the ability for you to advance in the game so much because they're basically an ability to do an add a ball 
during multiple. Mm. So, mm-hmm. but I've never really been good enough to get my Walker bombs ready. So <laughs> I can't, I can't, cause I've actually got the most gameplay time on an LE, uh, but I mm. have played a pro. Finally. Fancy. Yeah. But that's why I got Star Trek is, uh, I had not, I did not know anywhere to try the Walking Dead Pro at the time. And I knew I liked Star Trek Pro. And I knew I really liked Walking Dead LE. And I liked the Walking Dead LE more than I liked Star Trek. But I didn't know if I'd like the Pro. So I got the Star Trek Pro, which is good. I have a Star Trek Pro, too. We yeah, overlap. It, the, uh, well, Star Trek's my favorite game in my collection. It would be the last one. I love that so. game. That It'd game's be my last one to go. It's, stay, it's definitely staying. Yeah. I have no intentions of selling Star Trek. So. It's my. That's it's another my one where the pro. I mean, other than the laser lights and like yeah, laser. Yeah, I thought about. Much, it. I mean, I'm not paying an extra fifteen hundred bucks for a laser. You know? Now I thought about taking some like laser pointers and just like taping the on buttons down and then just like <laughs> gluing them in on the ramps. Tony stand next to you and wiggle a laser pen. Yeah, just like like like, 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 like like if you have a cat, it's like that. Just, <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. It's just a mod. Come on, we we can mm. do it. Well, I'm glad you liked Logan, Tony. Uh, I did. It was quite enjoyable. I spent a fair amount of time. Yeah. My wife, went on biz- my wife went on business to Chicago a couple months ago, and I made her go to Logan and take pictures of everything from my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she ended up drinking with, like, the owner with... What's that terrible Chicago... It's like some sort of terrible Chicago liqueur. Malort? Yeah, Mal, what is Malarac or something like that. I think they pronounce it Malort, but I'm not sure. That- I think I saw them drinking it on on uh, something. Yeah, there. flipping out pinball stream. They they have yeah. it on there a lot. Yeah, so and, my... and Jack Danger often will have it. As, well, I won't say often, but I've seen him reference it as it's a Chicago oh. rite of passage. I didn't try it. Yeah, you know what I drank? No, I drank whiskey and bourbon. That's mm-hmm. what I drank. You know, Isn't bourbon just stuff. a type of whiskey? Well, I drink like expensive whiskeys and bourbon. Uh, okay. Ooh la la, sorry anything that's in front of me <laughs> pretty much well i didn't go anywhere uh only thing that's really happened uh atypically is i did uh i did guest on slam tilt podcasts 135th episode so i do have a link in the show notes if anyone wants to listen oh to my. that yeah with ron and bruce uh there's <laughs> star trek uh sulu uh george takei references we talk about hoops we make fun of zach Minnie a lot but in a nice mm. kind way and uh we have a really long drawn out portion of talking about their stomp tournament and then there is a massive discussion of why no one watches competitive pinball so it's a lot of fun i was just watching it this morning actually there was some dude in like germany or something broadcasting a tournament hmm yeah we went to uh I went. My, my son and i went to a silver ball saloon this summer where i said we saw bruce's place i love that place yeah it's uh I've, I would like to, you know, I went, I went to graduate school up there, near there. I, I went to Syracuse. So, which I know you love Syracuse, Jason. It's your favorite, yeah. it's your favorite Saint lacrosse John's, team. St. John's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a St. John's bas- college basketball fan. So Syracuse is like the, the Red Sox to the Yankees. They're mm-hmm. like the enemy. Yeah. But so, but I've not been back since I graduated. So, and I thought, oh, well, that's kind of close. Bruce isn't that far away. It would be nice to go and get to visit his place sometime, but I never have a reason to get back up into the Northeast. So I've I don't been know. up there a couple of times for uh, lacrosse tournaments in Rochester. So I always make sure to go. It was mm-hmm. a pretty cool place. JDL pinball, IFPA Midsummer open in Germany. That's what's on right now. I think JDL 
pinball is who streamed the those world championships, the one with the, the famous comeback on Bram Stoker's Dracula. They do a good job. Yeah, I heard an interview with one of them on the uh, Backbox Pinball. Was it? It's Backbox Pinball Podcast? Yeah. I yeah, I think so. There's a um, uh, Pittsburgh Open, I think, is on today on Twitch. Something, one of those. So I can fit that in. In between the NFL games, I'll flip it on. And yeah, yes, it was Backbox. Backbox Pinball Podcast. I like that podcast. Okay, well, speaking of podcasts, most of the ones we've mentioned have talked about pinball. So I guess we should talk <laughs> about pinball as well, even though we are nah. a mere mixed gaming podcast. And we are going to go ahead and we're going to start with something that I don't know. You're the first I saw the sourcing on it, Jason. So I'm giving you credit for breaking the story and forcing all of this out into the open. But that I'll is take the, the new. You, you should, <laughs> because I saw it was your Facebook discussion from Nap Arcade that was getting shared everywhere, and which the problem with all the sharing is then I see like half a dozen different pages with different comments. So if I'm mm. trying to get a full sense of the reaction, I have to read them all. But that is where we're, of course, talking about the new comic art version for the Stern Star Wars pinball machine. I do have a link because it's now public. Uh for the IGN article in the show notes for anyone who wants to actually go and read about it. And they have some imagery of it. Uh, the art is by a very famous uh, art uh, artist who's done a lot of star Wars art. And that's Randy Martinez. And as it's called the comic art version. And when you look at them, you will definitely get a very comic book vibe to it. But I guess given that it's not a gameplay different, and this is not the pen. This is not the new Star Wars home version. This is the <laughs> no. Steve Ritchie one that came out a couple of years ago, just with a new art package. And the art is different on the play fields as well. It looks similar, but comic-fied would be how I would describe it. Comic-fied. Comic-fied. So, uh, Jason, what, what did you think when you saw this? You discovered this gem. Well, you know, what happened actually was I... I look up our google news uh the the word pinball or the word arcade uh, quite frequently and the day before actually there was an ign article that said uh star wars pinball comic book art and i was like what so i clicked on the link and it was a dead link so apparently ign had linked you know published it a day too early and i'm like what is this but then like i wasn't exactly sure i didn't really understand what it was but then I kept looking for it because I know I was like, something must be going on. That's when I found it. You know, I don't know. I would say maybe two, I mean, an hour or two before Stern officially announced it. IGN had the full length of the article up there. So I had shared it. I think it looks great. I, I love it. I like especially the premium with the Boba Fett on the side. But I, I don't like a lot of people really had a major problem with the art on the, the original version. I didn't really mind it at all. Especially the premium, which has ad-ads on the side. If you put ad-ads on the side of anything, I'll think it looks awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dan, yeah, I, that's fine. I mean, Zombie ad-ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, the the thing with the uh, with the original art package that I always remember is uh, there was a very big initial reaction to it being a Photoshop job. A lot of comparisons to Game of Thrones. Uh, it was hand drawn art. It was the same poses we're always used to seeing uh, because those are the approved looks. But right. it was mm. drawn. It was not. Uh, it was not a mere manipulation of. It's not like Twenty Four, where no. you just actually have taken stills, crazy. digital stills, and then moved. Willy them Wonka's like that, though, where it's drawn, but it looks. I mean, if you go, I was at an arcade 
and there's like a coin pusher. It has like the exact same, <laughs> the exact yeah, same art from the Willy Wonka pin because that's just the approved art. Right, and it's it's the same art off of the the anniversary DVD set. Yes, and, and it's what's plastered all over it. It's one of the reasons I hate the art. And that's something machine. that Tony Tony has focused on quite a bit in his uh, you know his personal opinion regarding Wonka. And I would go so far as to say, well, I recognize that it too is hand drawn. I would have a great deal of difficulty accepting people who would argue that they don't like the art style in the original Star Wars, but they do like the art style in Willy Wonka. Yeah. I don't think you can have it both ways. It's They're the point. same. It's the same approach. It, there's different names. We don't know the names of the whoever they used right. uh, associated with, still, with Lucasfilm and, and Disney for that original art package. So looking at this, uh, looking at this new art approach, and I, I agree – I like the the premium one more, and for those looking at IGN or having a vague memory of the imagery, the premium is the one with Vader on the translite, uh, a bit, almost alone with his like up, up out in front with his lightsaber, and then the pro that was version. supposedly a pose that had never been done for Darth Vader before in any sort of drawing. There was a little interview with uh, the artist, and he was talking about how he did that like out of nowhere, and like they loved it, so they went with it. But apparently, that's never like they no one's ever drawn Vader. Like that's by himself with the lightsaber, I guess. Apparently. It, it's very menacing, and I didn't remember ever seeing it. Like I wondered if maybe it was modeled on something from maybe Rebels or Clone Wars uh, cartoon, but, yeah. mm-hmm. but it definitely not a pose we're familiar with from the movies. And and I agree with Jason. I really like the Bubba Fett side art on the premium. Uh, I, that's cool. I agree. The, the premium. I like the pro package. It looks nice. It's clean. Uh, very, and it gives you a really good comic book vibe, and it's definitely something that I would want on the end of a row <laughs> to show off. But if I was if I was to pick to show off, I'd rather show off the premium. Yeah, no, I saw a decent good. amount of criticism of the new art, though. It, you know, people poo poo on anything, I guess. But it's funny how Stern went out of its way because everyone's criticizing the old art, and now they're like criticizing the new art saying it's too colorful and everything else i don't know it's too, too colorful, colorful. <laughs> oh, i love it now, there's, well, someone, there's like one of these like home <laughs> edition pins i like, got this glass of water but it was just it was too wet my water there's was one of these home wet. edition pins like star explorer or something like that and someone was sharing like a picture of this old home edition pinball machine saying it looked like this i don't know <sighs> this has come up uh, when I stream on Twitch from time to time, when I'm interacting with chat. So I'll throw it out here. What do you think, Jason and Tony, about pinball people? Let's call them commoners. And I'm, I'm included. <laughs> I, I'm included. Not the aristocracy that you are. No, no, no. <laughs> not, <laughs> not artists. The, not the, artists. The plebes. Who then play at Art Critic. And it, mm. to me, it feels almost paint by numbers. Uh, but we'll, we can now add, like, here's a little, our checkboxes. Imagine a little list of checkboxes. Things to say to act like you know stuff about pinball art. Too colorful is now on the list. Okay. Check. Here's my, here's mm. my favorite one that's completely overstated. Well, the colors pop. How many times is that what we've always heard when it's like, why do you like the art? Oh, the colors pop. So I guess if it's not too colorful and you like lots of color, the colors pop. Hmm. That's, what does that mean? I don't hmm. know. I didn't study art, so I have no idea. Yeah. But it's it sure sounds like baloney to me. When it comes, I mean, art is one of those things where when I look at it and if I enjoy it, do I know why I enjoy it? No, I don't. I don't have any idea why I enjoy it. It's just all look. It's like I like that. That looks nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I try and I try and. Here is my favorite though: was with when Game of Thrones came out. 
And everyone pretended they knew what gradient shading even meant. <laughs> mm. Like, you guys don't know what gradients are. <laughs> I know because I that, don't the know. Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones gets a bum rap because of the art, but it doesn't bother me. The one I got actually has the alternate translate in it, which is, it's nice. I it's, did replace the translate on my uh, Star Trek Pro because I don't like looking Chris Pine in the on, eyes. Come on, Chris Pine. You don't like him staring deep into <laughs> I let him soul. stare into me. He gazes into your soul. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking for the truth. Uh, (laughs) What does God need with a starship? That's mm. the one they should do and kill, and then they could kill the Kelvin verse once and for all. No, I mean it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, I've tried when I I've tried to better articulate when I look at so they like overall with when Stern was doing the run of nice art, you know, you're using Yeti and Franchi and Dirty Donnie. And it's kind of like, I tended to gravitate to Franchi's style the most. And if I tried to explain why it you was, may not be seeing that anymore. I may not be. No, but I, I, you know, I thought, I felt it was his, his line work, something about how he was doing his lines was the most appealing to me though. I have of gardens, last year. I like his work on. Yeah. Games. That's good. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. but to some people that's getting, it's so photorealistic. It's getting into that realm of what they consider Photoshop, but well, people call it tracing and stuff like that. And well, and I don't know how he makes the lines, but I, they're nice. So, yeah. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. I mean, my favorite art package of 2018 was Deadpool. I thought that one because it was so comic book and I thought it captured it really, really well. Yeah, I did. And I, I knew other people that. who hated it because they thought it had too much red. I like the shark one, actually, the premium, the megalodon. Mm. Anything with a giant shark on it is cool. That was actually my least favorite because I didn't like the shade of blue on the side. A lot of people don't like the blue color. Yeah. It yeah, was I this light, light oceany seawater blue. And I just thought it was out of place with everything else. But dude, but, it's a giant shark. Look, I'm not saying that you're <laughs> wrong. I'm just saying that I didn't like the color blue. And I know it sounds silly, but I'm not acting like it was it was too co- I think the actual for most people, the secret to pinball art is just oversaturate all the colors and you'll win them. Just oversaturate. I'm always attracted like a bird or something. I like anything that's colorful. Yeah. Not what a super colorful bird. I am a bird and I'm attracted to lots of colors. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't care for Monster's pre- premium in the black and white? Which one? The monster. Oh, black you know and what? White. That's actually kind of neat because it's black and white, and then it, the, that makes whatever color there is really pop, as you say. <laughs> yes, as, as I say, pop. Actually, I really yeah. like black and white, but I, I've always been really fond of black and white art because of the emphasis on light and what it does with that. But I actually really liked the other day I played for the first time was the Game of Thrones Premium. Uh, not Game of Thrones. Uh, black Knight uh, Sword of Rage Premium. And uh, I like the art on that. I think that art is pretty cool. But, you know, I didn't know what I would think about the upper play field. I loved it. A lot of people say it ruins the flow and everything like that. It probably helped that I started multi-ball on the top play field and the bottom play field at the same time and destroyed it on my first game by, like, random luck. So that probably made me like it a lot better. Yeah, we... um... I had more time on the premium initially, and I did like the high flow of the pro more, but I felt that the upper play field on Game of Thrones is one of the best designed upper play fields because it doesn't feel like it feels well, well, because you had two full size flippers and there. So, and it was, well, maybe not for Jason, but for me, (laughs) it was usually pretty challenging to get all of those shots in in time. So you still didn't stay up there all that long, but. Because of the ease of trapping up, that's where I think the flow loss happens is you can actually control so well and stay on the upper play field, even if you're bricking. 
Um, mm. It's our, it's a balance. I think we morphed two pins into one because I started with Game of Thrones and I switched to Black Knight. Oh yes. Now I have not yet played Black Knight Premium or LE. You so, haven't. No, I no. like it. That's what you I'm saying. I, people we compl- have the same complaint about the Game of Thrones saying the flow on Black Knight with the upper play field's not as nice. But I thought it was really cool. Um, oh, maybe I did play it once at Penapalooza. I didn't get enough time on it to be yeah, able to I've played it a whole bunch of times now, but it's... Okay. I don't have a... I, yeah, I know. Yeah, Game of Thrones, I can comment on about the loss of flow. On on Black Knight, I don't have enough time on the premium to say if I would have liked it better or not. I may have played it once. I didn't get it in the tournament. I know that. Um... So back on Star Wars, uh, obviously the, the repercussions of this new release involve the impact on the old used versions. And I know you weighed in on this as well, Jason, regarding some pin side trends. It seems that maybe a few Star Wars are popping up now. Yeah, I don't know if it was just a coincidence or what, but I, I looked at, I always look at the pin side marketplace, even though. I'm trying not to buy anything else for a little bit. Yeah. I'm always kind of curious as to what is out there. And uh, probably two hours after the news officially broke from Stern, there was like three or four Star Wars popped up with the old art or the original art for sale. And one Mm. of them specifically said in the ad, I'm selling this so that I can get the one with the new cartoon art. Which is probably not the best sales strategy, but yeah, in in any event. (laughs) I I think it's a mix. It's not going to help the, and I don't think that the the used market on Star Wars was that strong to begin with, in terms of used pricing. But now, I got to think that the prices would fall even further if there's more people looking to sell that one, or anyone who was looking to get it, uh, Star Wars instead of buying a used one would buy one with the new art. I think that's got to depress prices a little bit. And then, yeah, I agree. Part of the discussion that I had was. Okay, so let's say the prices for used Star Wars Pros falls now, and that just narrows the delta between the home version, the pin, and the used Star Wars to be that was already too narrow in my opinion to begin with. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Stern has enough of a market of people that don't know anything about buying used pinball machines that just want a new the pin and they'll buy it anyways, and it won't matter. But if it was me, there's no way I'd buy the pin over a, you know, a used Star Wars Pro with the original art for, you know, a couple hundred dollars difference. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, even though I know they're being sold at least, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. Uh, while I know that our regular pinball distributors are selling the pin, I've assumed that it will also be sold in some non-traditional venues or places where people who are, looking for game room stuff, but aren't necessarily pinheads are going to go. And I just think that there is a reliance that they are either not interested or they are ignorant of seeking out things on the used market or thinking that because it's a piece of arcade equipment, it's going to be too hard for them to maintain with no real I think the no pin actually looks pretty fun. Yeah, no, I think the layout looks good. I watched I the it stream like, I mean, of it on My main out. problem with it was the price, sort of like with the Beatles. Like, I like the Beatles pin. I just don't want to pay seven grand for it or whatever, you know, or Diamond Edition, 15 grand or whatever it is. Yeah. You don't want to just fork that out? Just you know, I mean, it's nothing, right? Just yeah. hand it over. So the pin, I, I think it looks neat. If it was priced right, I'd actually maybe consider one. But I just, if the if the difference between a real pin and that is small... I just can't see doing it. Yeah, I agree. 
uh, it'll be interesting if, if there are enough to get out there to see what happens to the pin pricing used. Um, but I, Look, you know, it's not out there yet for sale. And I don't, I don't know how many of these new Star Wars. What do you think? How many units do you feel the new Star Wars will, with I should say, the new art package Star Wars will move? Mm. I mean, yeah, mm. I think it'll sell. It's Star Wars. It's a new look. Uh, how many people didn't buy Star Wars just because they didn't like the art, though? Obviously, we've got someone on Pinside saying they're getting rid of their perfectly functional Star Wars because they want one that they feel is better looking. So I'm going to guess there are going to be some people like that. But how many? A hundred? 200? I, I don't know. I mean, it is just a reskin. It's not like they had to do any mechanical work. Right. It probably didn't cost them a whole lot to do it, other than whatever they had to pay for the artist, obviously. So yeah. why not try I, to milk more out of that license if you can? I would. I think they'll sell a decent number, but by decent, I still think that less than a thousand of these move. Oh, probably. that's my I guess. Be that's yeah. a two-year-old game. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how many these. How many do you think they sold of the original game? I don't even. I don't have any concept. Uh, it's not like Adam's family numbers back in the day. Yeah, like they don't release that stuff. I don't think they do. Like no, they on don't. Inside, if you look at all the old Bally Williams, it'll say sold X number of units or Gottlieb's. It'll say sold X number of units, but I don't think they have that anymore. For Early in Stern Pinball's uh, history, they did. Like you go to like 2000 and such, you can see some of the, I think the issue, what what's happened is those were publicly traded companies. So those numbers had to be released for the shareholders. And now that it's privately held amongst uh, Gary and a few other investors or investor, they mm-hmm. are not obligated to share that information with the public. They don't really because benefit there are no, by well, there are no public shares. Right. Uh, well, this is, and that's bringing up an interesting point. I do, th- I personally think it would be in Stern's best interest to release production numbers once the games are no longer being produced, because hmm. that could influence the used market pricing to help dictate to them what are the best games to vault. I can see that. Hmm. Because that rarity would play a factor. If, you, if we, people were to go in and go, holy crap, they only made 1200 Tron pros. Then mm. it's like, okay. And then you're going and saying, okay, well, we could vault that or we could vault Star Trek. And it's like, oh, uh, well, you sold 7,000 Star Treks. Why, why'd you vault it? Sort of thing. Because mm. the impression was, I remember a lot of people were really surprised because, well, we don't know production numbers. Star Trek, very popular game. A lot of people bought it. Yeah. And then it got vaulted like within a year of it being regularly produced. So it's, that was uh, kind it, of strange. I don't know what kind of, went right. into that decision. That happened with, uh, the Game of Thrones, too, recently. They did a small run yep. of, I don't know how, I think it was, someone said it was only 100 or something like that. So. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I don't so, know why you would start it back up to do that. I mean, I guess if you can sell them and you have, you know, capacity, why not? But To fill some time on the line, or it could be with the ending of the show coming up, they decided. Yeah, to, uh, that was my guess. I figured with it being the final season, finally, they thought that might raise enough sort of casual interest that they could push a few more units out. And with them knowing internally that Dwight was doing a significant code revision to it, mm. that that could have reinvigorated interest. I mean, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good. So point. with that as well, I mean, that's why even though I've heard Dwight say there are no plans, it would make a lot of sense to do another run of Ghostbusters at this point, given that the mm. massive code drop has happened and it's been restructured, mm-hmm. and there's the new uh, Wizard mode and everything. So if they do I think- another run of that, they should do. As a, out of the factory, you know, you ever see people put the plastics on it with the center post? They should either do a legit center post or have the one with the plastics coming off because that makes it a much better game. 
If they want to drill, I'm not, I don't support layout changes. Um, that wouldn't be a layout change though. What I would do is I would say drill a little center pole host hole and then include mm-hmm. one in, a, in the little goodie baggie and say, if you want a center post here, you can screw it in. You won't feel bad for drilling a hole in your play field. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. They could, they could, you know, they could tap that hole in from the factory. A lot of, games a lot of people like do it with aftermarket, you know, not yeah. necessarily drill into the play field, but they do. The, you've seen the one with the plastic. Yeah. yeah with the extender. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. like that. I wouldn't put that on uh, as the default because that's just not the default layout of that game. But if you, it people, well, the only problem that rather have a, rather have that something. brings up the problem of of scores and have you know comparing one person's score to another person's score. That's always a problem if you well, have that, one yeah. game that's easier than another. That yeah, I, I mean, but that's always the case. I mean, you go on something like uh, Pendigo, and someone has the number one took it from me. Number one score on hoops, and then I'm sure the location game isn't set on hard like mine is. Right, probably set. It's probably set to five balls. Could be, <laughs> but um, it's like, and based off of how that game works, on what difficulty determines when the extra balls are triggered, and all of that, and it's just like, okay, well, we just played in different circumstances. So I suppose if it really it, yeah. bugged me, I could put my game down to very easy, and then take the permanent high score and leave it at that but yeah i think pretty take much the, pinball, take the glass can't... off and just push all the buttons and then take That's a picture true. Of i could i could do that too uh, i'm the number one atari middle earth score on pin to go oh mm, i might have to try and find one of those then <laughs> yeah so i just ruined it someone's gonna hear that and get take it out it's a score <laughs> i know yeah. someone here here in kansas city who uh who does own a middle earth so that might motivate him to to get to get that back out and working it, assuming it's not, I don't know. Get that back out and working. Okay, well, we we will of course keep our eyes on what goes on with Star Wars Comic Book Edition, but I I don't see it as a mistake in any way for Stern. I think this is just going to be a positive for them. So, despite the tears that will be shed by some people that will feel this devalued their Star Wars game, it's not like the company has do any right. That the, do you think the manufacturer should care? what happens to people who have purchased the game already or not? I think they should care what happens to the people in the sense of mechanically and how their game's working and that it's still supported. I don't think they need to care about whether or not it holds its value. Yeah, I don't think their value matters. I think that's nothing that the manufacturer should care about. It's, I mean... And we're, let's be frank, what are we going to... We're talking maybe a few hundred dollars. I mean, I... What I've seen so far, the old Star Wars games are now moving at kind of what the recently new DMD era games were going at. So we're talking maybe down to low fours, which is a little atypical, to like mid 4,000s, which is what you usually see games like Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and Star Trek move at. But so, okay, it's less than a thousand dollars because... Yeah, the one that was listed the other day, there was two pros, I remember. One listed a pro for five... Five grand, which is never happening in a million years, and the one, the other one who said he was upgrading a lo- uh, the art to get the new the new art, it was a pin that was on location listed for forty six. I don't see that happening either. Ooh. I think mm-hmm. the prices are going to have to come down. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to. I think it would be very unlikely to see them fall below four thousand. I I'd think if it did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that. I think I think original art Star Wars Pro. Will end up being from four thousand to forty five hundred. That's where I think it will be. For four uh, grand, depend- that's a pretty cool game. It is, even though the I- multipliers are pretty annoying. But I, I, I still think it's a cool theme and a cool fun pin. Yeah, the geometry is good too. So there's a lot going for it. 
Um, and I think at that, you just have to consider, cause that's the, the factor you always need to remember is, okay, for $4,4500, what else am I going to be able to get? Probably not anything with an LCD. No. So now this becomes very attractive if you want a new looking game. Well, whatever enters into my mind too is, will I lose money on this if I decide I don't want to keep it? And you probably wouldn't at four thousand. I mean, you could probably flip that. Well, because it, I mean, assuming it's whatever you whatever its status was when you got it, probably isn't changing much. And by that I mean, like, it's not all of a sudden becoming routed when you put it into your house. So, no. given that, you're just not going to. You just homeowners just don't put much wear on them. So. With mm-hmm. that, with that said, it's like, yeah, you're probably not going to see a, a tremendous dip. And if you did, what, $500? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should put 500 plays on the game before you sell it. And then you feel like it was a dollar a play. <laughs> yeah. That's always my, that's where I always go like with people who are like, I put 75 plays on this and now I'm selling. I'm like, why? Why? I don't, you, that why happens all the time. I don't why didn't get you play it enough? Why, why don't you play? Even if you hate it, why don't you play? Why don't you play yeah. your losses worth at least and feel like you <laughs> didn't cheat yourself? I don't know. Mm. This is how my brain works. But so, speaking of newer pinball machines, let's go to the newest of the new, and that would be Elvira House of Horrors. We did talk about that here on this podcast a couple of weeks ago when we saw the images, but since then, uh, Jack Danger over with Deadflip did do a gameplay reveal on Twitch. I have a link to the YouTube of that video in the show notes. Um, Jason, did you get a chance to look at any of the video? I did watch it live when it was on. Uh, I didn't watch all of it. I don't know how maybe I watched 20, 30 minutes, something like that. I don't know exactly how much. Someone said there were some issues with the game. Someone was saying there were some issues with the game during the stream. I didn't see that. I didn't but, either. Uh, and I was in stream for about 30 minutes. Uh, Tony, mm-hmm. did you get a chance to see any I of never, the video? I didn't get a chance okay. to watch any of it. So, Well, uh, Jason, do you, what are your thoughts on what you did see of the video? The play field looks pretty open down below. But, in a, you know, a lot of people were criticizing it, saying it didn't have a lot of shots and stuff like that. But I thought that the mechs on it looked really cool. I think the house is pretty neat. You can, like, go into the basement and you can... Different different aspects of of different shots move and open up and looks like there's different uh, routes the ball can take once it goes into the house and things like that. It looks like it's probably pretty neat. I mean, that's a tough. People love uh, the party monsters and people love scared stiff. So that's a tough pin to live up to in terms of the lineage or the the, the previous versions of it. But I think it looks good. I think again for me. Like we were discussing with Beatles and everything else, I think it's just going to come down to price. I think that it's there's only a premium and an LE and then some like crazy LE or whatever that people were paying like fifteen grand for or something like that. So like I I, I just I wouldn't personally pay that much probably for one, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who will. It looks like it'll be a fun game. Yeah, I thought that uh, it. It shot about what I expected from looking at the, at the photos. It is, it is open in the lower sections. It's a, it's a complete fan layout by the very cookie cutter definition of fan. It meets all the criteria. I've thought about writing an article explaining what fan layouts are to people because <laughs> I don't think everyone understands what they are, but this it is a fan. It looks like a Nordman design though. I, I can see Nordman's fingerprints on it if you look at some of his other games. Yeah, I kind of can. <laughs> I guess I was expecting a little more. One of the things that I've, I associate with Nordman, at least in his later periods, was uh, a little more creativity with the ramp designs. And I think it's there hidden in the mechs. 
but mm-hmm. it's not there visually on the surface of the play field. And I kind of thought, you know, like, where's the crazy whitewater ramp or where's the, mm. the weird ramp stuff from Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, that sort of stuff. And the I don't wiggly see ramp that. on, yeah. on yeah. scared stiff. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, pizzazz to the ramp, uh, the physical ramp layouts. And typically he does a little, well, he's not like J pop. Let's just make him swirl all over the place. Like some sort of crazy figure eight. How about Oktoberfest? Ten- the Oktoberfest, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or Balser. Well, Balser, you know, he's so eclectic. He kind of does whatever on any particular yeah. game. But, but, uh, yeah, they weren't, they were relatively straightforward. I agree. I think the house with the diverter, uh, looks really good. It seems to flow really, really well. So that mech seems to work well. I was most impressed by the, the crypt shot on the right. That's the mech. It's a, like a three stage. Mm-hmm. Where it can, it'll open, there's a head, and then that can, I guess, lift up, and then that exposes a hole to shoot into. Yeah. So that looked like a really cool mech. But, I mean, kind of in Jason's boat in the sense that because there's no pro, and I look at this, and especially when you look at the surface of it for people, I don't think you see premium per se. I think with the mechs, I get it. But it seems like this premium price point is higher than the traditional premium price point is even. So... With all of that factored in, it's just too expensive for what it is. I thought the callouts were great. They got custom animation work, like filming with Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, that seemed really cool. The humor's all there. The voice work's all there. Uh, I think a lot of Elvira fans will like it if they get it. And I think a lot of them will get it. Yeah. I think it's going to uh, but- sell well. I think it'll sell okay. They were sitting on this design for a long time. Like yes. at least two years this pin has been designed from a gameplay perspective, I think. So it's interesting that it, it took them so long to get it out and now it almost feels like it's rushed in order to get it out in time for Halloween. Like it's 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 just a weird combination of things where they've had it for so long and now it feels like they're hurrying to get it out. Yeah, and I and I I feel that that sense of urgency is driven entirely by trying to make the the holiday season the Halloween. Well, they have to get it out before Halloween, right? They have to, and so that's like not having the Oktoberfest pin out before Oktoberfest. You got (laughs) to get it out. And I don't know if maybe there was uh you know there were changes or delays in the process of doing the video assets or anything like that because because we know that the layout was done for a long time, so there's nothing about that that needed to be rushed along. I also think that this was the period where they felt they could finally slip it in. I think, I don't think Stern expects this to make them bucket loads of money and they just kind of want to get it off of the plate so that the obligation mm-hmm. is done. So while I think it will sell well for a premium tier pin, yeah. as a premium tier pin, I don't think they're expecting to move 2,000 units of it. What do they call it? Cornerstone or Keystone yeah. or something like that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cornerstone game. It's not, a, it's not a cornerstone game. No, nor should it be. Yeah. Uh, So I think it was very smart that they didn't make a pro version of this because I do not think, while a lot of people still know when they hear what the name Elvira is associated with, even younger people, I think, would probably go, oh, Elvira, that's something to do with horror. Right. They don't. The love for the franchise is, is aging. That might out. not be the first thing they think of when they're right. <laughs> right. They might not. They might not. And so, but I like the idea of it with all the B movies and all of that incorporated in. I think to me, it, I wouldn't be surprised if this would be my favorite of the three Elvira games. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I actually really like the first two, which is kind of funny because the theme's kind of meh for me, but the games themselves are pretty darn fun. I like the humor of Scared Stiff. 
I don't love the layout of it. Uh, I don't like that scoop over by the deadheads and how it kind of shoots. Yes. It doesn't shoot into the pops. And I don't like the wide open ramp that you do to easily activate the lock shot. Um, the bonus are the, yeah. the bonus shot. It's worth like nothing. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then Elvira and the party monsters actually like the layout more, but. I used you know, to have a, those little puppets a, when I was young. Yeah. Little oh. I used to love those things. So that's why I like that game a lot. So, uh, so I actually prefer Elvira and the party monsters from a layout perspective. Of course, that as a system 11, it only goes so far. And, uh, mm. that I know competitively, a lot of people didn't care for that game because it's a lock stealing game, but and some mm. competitive people hate lock stealing. Well, yeah. Well, mm. don't, don't lock balls if you don't want them stolen. That's the TNA philosophy. That's, so. It adds strategy to it, actually, really, if you think mm-hmm. about it. It's kind of sure. neat. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Elvira. We will keep seeing what's ha- what happens with that. I still don't know if we're going to get one. You think the next one is the next stern? Well, I think it will be a cornerstone. Um, what do you want me to guess? What the theme will be, or what? Yeah. what? I'm, let's see if we can nail it. Um, I'm hearing strong rumors about James Bond. I've heard Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've heard that as well. I've heard that, that, Bill and Ted's got some that, buzz that's as well. Be happening. Um, who do you think? Like, I'm guessing the next game is Brian Eddy's. You would we got to get one. He's been there for like two years now. Almost, yeah, that's and there the hasn't thing. Been yeah. A game yet. It's like, why have we seen two games out of Elwin now? Uh, and it's still well, not one seen of them. Eddie's is kind like, of a morphed version of the other one. Yeah, but they. Ha- I mean, Archer was well, I, okay. So I'm sure it was quicker than designing it from scratch. But still, I mean, Archer was a wide body. They had to slim the whole thing down. It was not. It wasn't just when like dragging, drag the scale. I tool. thought. I thought Jurassic was going to be Brian Eddie when I heard that it was coming. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised that it was Elwin. I, that's a, that's the other probably designer that I would have wanted right now. So that's that was good for me, anyways. But I I was kind of surprised it wasn't Brian Eddie. Yeah, just in terms of uh, of how long Brian's been there, because they announced that at 2018 TPF right. that he was hired back at Stern. So it's like okay, and it's been a while I, now. I'd expected to have had a machine early this year at the latest, mm. and it's. Late, it's I late mean, 19. If, if it's yet. not, if it's not Brian Eddy, then the next game's going to be Borg. Well, I mean, you know what I've heard, and it, I think everyone's heard this rumor, and I, I, I actually think it's probably not true that they're doing a, a Quicksilver redesign as a Led Zeppelin machine. I'm kind of thinking, like, oh, uh, like yeah, like the Beatles, sort of. I think I'm starting to think that's not true because it's like such a trendy rumor. Yeah, I don't, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they do that. But I that think, wouldn't be cornerstone anyways. No, no, and that's the thing. I don't think they would do that this year. I think that would be every fall they do a boutique release. Mm-hmm. If you've noticed. Mm. It's, it's Elvira this time. Last year it was Beatles, Kapow, Beatles game. Right. Year before that it was the, um, what was the year before that? Well, that wasn't Batman, was it? That was the year even before well, that. Was that was the Kapow, yeah. Right. right. I, don't, well, I don't remember when stuff I came mean, out. The first Everything one was, seems like it blends together. Yeah, yeah. So it it seems like they do something, usually usually at this point, a, a boutique-esque style, non-pro available, often in partnership with Kapow, but not always. They're probably um, due for another Kapow, I would think. Well, I and I at first, I had just assumed that Kapow branding was going to be on the Elvira. 
that. Right. Well, that was the rumor. People were saying that. And it was somewhat. I know. Right, I spread that rumor. No I blame myself for that. <laughs> that well, it was. It I was always plug- noted it I was pure speculation. I wouldn't say that it's wrong. The fact that there's no pro, it might as well say Kapow. It's no different. Well, well, I think it's wrong. <laughs> so I've got, I'll say it. <laughs> Come on, I'm uh, trying to give you credit. Well, no, they, it was, it was merely, the Kapow branding would merely have meant that Kamikow had secured the license. And apparently that was not the case. So I don't think Elvira is a license that's super difficult to procure. No. To in get. fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, because it was all through contract work, if Nordman had kind of arranged with Cassandra Peterson to do a new Elvira game. And then they went to Stern and said, we, you know, we, We'll do it. We've got the idea. I want Greg on art. I'll do the layout. Cassandra's on board to do the licensing arrangement. We've already worked out all the details. Well, think about how long that must have been in the works, though, because Nordman's been at Deep Root for like two years. So that means that this game must have been, you know, he wasn't doing Stern and Deep Root at the same time. No, no, no. no. Greg is. So that means this must have been forever. Yeah, I've always. For a long time, I uh, when people ask me about Dennis Nordman in the modern era of pinball design, I've actually described him. I don't mean it in a in a negative way, but I've often described him as a pinball mercenary because I felt he's been a gun for hire for quite a while, willing to contract oh, sure. with anyone who will hire him. So I'd be for I, hire. No one's buying. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wrong yeah. With being a yeah. So, but I mean, so Dennis uh, obviously he was he was doing stuff with Stern, and then when that dried up. He went over and, and gave a design over to Highway Pinball and then back to do a contract arrangement with Stern and then now, uh, tied in with Deep Root. So you gotta go where the money is. You gotta flash the cash. This would actually tie in nicely with the Deep Root discussion. Is that the way you're, you're taking things? Do you see the segue? Well, we can, we can hop in over yeah. to, to do the deep root part now. Sure. Uh, so you noted before we went and started recording, Jason, that, uh, it sounds like there's, there's plans for two retro atomic zombie adventure land game prototypes, also commonly referred to and for hereafter referred to on this episode as Raza. So I don't have to say all that, <laughs> uh, at the mm. Houston arcade expo and right. deep root a while ago had been noting that they were planning to unveil prototypes at the arcade expo. I didn't know the quantity, uh, so you telling me that it, the plan is currently two was new news to me. I did know that they are planning to use – people are not to expect this to be finalized items. They are true prototypes, and they want to see how they play in a public setting. Yeah, they really downplayed what – basically the expectations for it. They were just basically saying they want to collect data from people banging on their machines for a while. I think that was gen- the general gist of it. Yeah, I've got the exact quote here, and it is... Look at that research. Yeah. Two early prototypes of Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland will be at the Houston Arcade Expo on November 15th through the 16th, 2019. These prototypes, prototypes will not have final art, design, or code. Our primary goal is to collect real-world data. And there'll be if a minimal follow, deep root staff. If you follow them, uh, Deep Root Studios, it's like the the art arm of of the Deep Root whatever. I guess I was I was going to call it Deep Root Pinball, but I guess it's supposed to be more than that. But if you follow them on Instagram, they have all sorts of art that looks like it's going to be coming up in in games that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I've uh, I've at least looked at a number of the pieces that seem to be associated with Raza. Uh, so given how they phrased it, that it wouldn't be final, well, a variety of final things. I'm assuming though, this won't be a white wood and this will actually have art on it. It just might not be finalized art. 
That's my guess. That's how it sounds. Or do we, or or do we think that's incorrect and that this is actually going to be like white woods? Unless it's really far along, I think they open themselves up to a massive amount of criticism. Is that I think people are looking to bang on them a little bit, anyways, because of the J-pop stuff. So, I if 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 it didn't look awesome, I wouldn't. I'd just make it a white wood and did not put anything on it. Um, one of the things that's been coming up, uh, even yet again, with a, a fairly recent interview that Jeff Patterson over with This Week in Pinball had conducted with Robert uh, Miller, Mueller of Deep Root, was he's still referencing the hammer. This is something that came up when we did an interview last year with Robert on this show. And the idea of, you know, the dimpling, the clear coat issues, obviously that's been front and center for a lot of folks lately because of all the struggles at Stern and JJP regarding their clear coat. And he's still saying that, you know, it will be, they'll be able, there will be a hammer test going on. There's still a lot of bold statements. There was also in that interview a lot of discussion about how Deep Root will be willing to license all of their innovative tech to boutique pinball companies. Uh, I think that's them kind of thumbing their nose at the existing manufacturers. Yeah, and that's been yeah. something that's that's happened several times during the course of this journey, this sojourn that we've been witnessing for Deep Root. What do you think of that, um, Jason? Well, they said – they said they're going to put a 10-year warranty on the playfields yes, against everything, did. including dimpling. I mean, if I, I think that play, there's no doubt that playfield quality has seems to have deteriorated. And I, I, I don't know. People think that a lot of that has to do with cost cutting. I don't know that it's that as much as the environmental. I mean, you used to be able to throw whatever you wanted into the clear coat, like lead and all kinds of asbestos, whatever the hell you put in there. <laughs> Anything that was horrible for you, I'm sure was in there and it was rock solid. Now it's all water-based and, you know, maybe they're cutting corners, maybe they're not, but the, there's no doubt that the play fields aren't holding up like they were. It doesn't seem like it to me. So if you were able to do that in-house, which most of the manufacturers do not do at this point, all that's outsourced to uh, CPR and, um, Merco, I think, are the two, right? And then there was another one. Didn't Chicago Gaming used to make playfields for people before they started doing their own remake machines? I think they did as well. So, you know, if you're a manufacturer now and you're not doing that in-house, you're kind of at the mercy of, of the suppliers to a certain degree. So Deep Root doing it themselves, which it sounds like, you would think they'd be able to make them pretty solid, whether or not it would live up to the hyperbole that banging it with hammers and things like that. I don't know, but you know, I, I would think they could probably improve that. They've certainly had enough time to do it. So, I mean, I don't know. Why. Do you, are you interested in a deep root game, Jason? Mm, I mean, I, I want them to do well. I think more pinball is good. I mean, I, 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 I like almost anything I play, whether or not I would want to own it or not is another thing. I'd love to play deep root games on location. For me, uh, you know, a lot of people say it's only the gameplay for them and they don't care. But for me, theme is kind of important. Like, I want to have stuff that I actually like the theme of to look at. So I have, right now, I have Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek. I'm going to have a Jurassic Park. I have uh, Game of Thrones. Like, I like all those shows and movies. So for for me, I, I think theme matters. So would I want a Reto, Exomic, a Reto Atomic Zombieland? Eh. I don't know the the trailer's pretty amusing. The game would have to be pretty awesome for me to want to own it though, I think. Just because for me personally theme matters. You know, a lot of people don't think it does, but 
I think so. But if I, you know, I don't know what the price point's going to be or anything on this. I mean, if they could do something where it would be affordable for location, then hopefully there's going to be a lot of them out there. Tony, are you looking forward to Raza specifically? Not specifically. I'm looking forward to see what we get out of Deep Root. I'm seriously interested in what we're coming, what's going to come out of it. And the truth of the matter is, is the theme for Raza is something that's in my wheelhouse, but overall, I'm not, it's nothing extra special to me. I just kind of want to see what they've got going and how it comes out. They've, they've built so much mystery. Yeah. They've built so much mystery. I just want to see the truth behind it. Yeah, I mm. I get that. I mean, I can't I can't comment on what I think of Raza because I've not seen the layout, and to me that is the most important thing. Layout mm. is most followed by code or rule set. I should say I don't really care about the programming per se, um, but or and how opposites. that implements. <laughs> no, no, no. Sure, surely not. No, no. For me, because my pens aren't showpieces, uh, so that's why I don't get hung up on art. And then mm. theme can help with immersion. On modern games, but I have so many games where there is no, you don't get immersed in Jacks to open. I don't feel like I'm a playing card. <laughs> so you're like playing actual cards. I'm like, no, I am the card. I'm the one that wants to be, I was like, I wish I got to be in a royal flush, but I'm just an eight of spades. Sad. Uh, it's, so it's like, I don't know. I've actually heard people describe it. I mean, an immersion and what that means of just like, do you feel like you're in the world? I've actually heard people describe it. I remember. When Total Nuclear Annihilation was first, I hated this. That's why I'm going to comment on it. So sorry to all of you out there that think this way and, and will be offended. But um, when the art was revealed for Total Nuclear Annihilation and it bothered people that the Scarlet, the woman, was front and center because they were trying to describe how they they need to feel like they are the ball. And they yeah. are the one doing everything and that they aren't a girl, so they couldn't do that. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I hadn't That's, even heard that. That you were even think of yourself as the ball is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Mm, yeah, there are so many problems with that entire line. It's like, this is not an RPG, okay? You, you need to quit. Mm. You need to go and, and LARP out in the, in the field somewhere. This is not the game for you. Well, see, and I, and I've got, I read a lot. I watch a lot of movies. I do this and that, but I've never had that immersion thing. I've seen so many people comment about something. They'll see something in a movie and it breaks them out of the immersion. It breaks them out of the movie. So they don't, I've never had that. I did in the third, um, the third version, third of the trilogy of the Hobbit. I went and I saw it in that 60 frames a second. Yeah. And it was su- the super high quality. And I could tell one of the rocks was styrofoam. That broke my immersion. It's like, <laughs> nah. you can't be afraid of that rock. It's styrofoam. Look at it. That's too much detail. <laughs> you could tell it was fake. You could tell super bad it was fake. So that sort of stuff will be like, oh, no. no the movie the, world is now too artificial. It's too the artificial. Theme might matter to me. The theme might matter to me more, too, because I have kids. I mean, I have a fifth grade son, and we watched Guardians of the Galaxy the other day. And when he pull, when Quill pulls out the ball and like drop the orb and drops it, we mm. both looked at each other and said, "Extra ball." So the scenes from the movie, I just like I just like the theme from that no. perspective. I, I think at this point you want to have smart themes. In fact, we can transition to a non-listed topic that ties in with the uh, the declared declared intent to file Chapter Eleven bankruptcy on Suncoast Pinball. And mm. the problems with Cosmic Carnival 
arguably one of the chief of which would be that that is a terrible theme. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't think the theme would have been a problem for it if it played well, because people love the art. So that would have been that would have been my argument. And that was my when I'd seen it. And I often would, you know, when I would have my discussions with Zach Minnie on this week in pinball podcast, who as as a distributor was a distributor for Suncoast pinball as well. I I think he has one sitting around. I think he's uh, working on a trade to get rid of that. Mm. And uh, anyway, one of the things I always stressed was this is it's 2019. You you can't do a symmetrical layout. That's not, that's, that's, was a mistake. You've cut your shots in half by doing it. Unless you've got mm. something to make up for it. Uh, and at your modern price point, you won't. That was, and all they ever did was redesign the shapes of the ramps, but they never moved them after the feedback at TPF. Right. And most of that redesign was to allow more of the art to be seen. They banked everything on Dirty Donnie and Dirty Donnie's art on that game is incredible. Well, I it argue paid it's, off. I mean, that's the only best, reason why people want that game. I at think all, it's huh? his best pinball art package he has done. But mm-hmm. the gameplay is the layout is very EM oriented, and even at that in mind, not particularly well designed to access other aspects, like getting back up top to the top lanes and such. Mm-hmm. There were just it wasn't well designed as a layout. That whole the thing crumbled fast. They must the have been flying pretty poor. close to the sun because it was just. Oh, here we are. We're selling them. All of a sudden, it was like poof, nothing. Well, why don't they? Why don't they? You know, sue some people and start a GoFundMe <laughs> and uh, and start begging people that they're going to hand make them in their I, basement. I'm glad that they they rec- they saw the writing on the wall and they declared their bankruptcy. I thought that was was a smart move. And it my is. my understanding as to why it seemed to crumble so quickly because this basically got triggered because they owed back rent. My understanding is the owner personally guaranteed the rent Mm. so he could not he could not isolate that aspect from the company because Uh. he underwrote it as an individual so he wasn't Mm. shielded from that that failure so he needed to declare bankruptcy now to to get that in line before it devastated him personally oh Mm. good move yeah so I had, uh, that was from Pimpon News and Pimpon Magazine podcast, I believe, started away. I'm not very far in that episode, but I do recall hearing that aspect. So that was something new to me. But yeah, if so, if he was like, I'm the guarantor so that you'll let me have this lease. Uh, and yeah. they would yeah. back on him as a, as an individual. It's like, okay, I definitely see why you want to act now because people were looking at it like, well, you only owe like 7000 or even if it doubled up, it's like $15,000. That's not really that much money. It's like, yeah, well, to an individual, $15,000 is a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, but how many games? I don't know what the margins are like in that, but he could have sold a couple of the pins he already had. And paid, I mean, it's got to it's got to be a lot deeper than seven or fifteen. Grand. Well, I mean, there's got to be there's got to be some stuff coming that that. You know. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of the thing, part of the people that will have to be claimants are four people who purchased games and didn't receive them. So it's not like he had that any sucks. in stock to sell off and balance the books. He was. Mm, yeah. They they owe people pins. So that sucks. So yeah. So given all of that. It was clearly not working out for them. And, but again, a lot of people, if you just heard, you're like browsing around, and you're like, what are the current pinball machines available? And you just saw a list of titles like over on This Week in Pinball and you mm-hmm. saw Cosmic mm. Carnival. That theme isn't going to get you to click on that. It's not. No. Oh, carnies. They smell of space cabbage. I'm not going <laughs> to look at it. I mean, we are in a, whether you like it or not, we are in a time where, 
as much as pinball people say they don't care about licensed pens, licensed pens are what sells. People do, for sure. I mean, I think that's just a – but it goes back to your art thing. I think it's just a trendy thing to say. I think there – I think people who do say it uh, believe it. I think there are – there's a segment of the hobby that really does long for original pens. They're just not enough to save a company. Right. Mm. And they often want other things as well. They're not – because they may say, I want original themes, they're in no way obligated to buy a garbage symmetrical layout like Cosmic Carnival because they said that. Mm. And as much as I make fun of the layout because I'd not played the game, I hear the code was pretty bad. So the rules yeah. also weren't there. It just wasn't a player. Who wants pinball machines that don't play well? There is a segment of the hobby that is in it for the looks. But other than that... Magic Girl? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Who wants a, a, a trophy piece that isn't even fun? I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints about the high values and talking about Big Bang Bar and people are like, oh, I'm thinking about getting a Big Bang Bar because they see the pricing and they think it must be this great game. And everyone's like, it's a mediocre player. So just yeah, go Big in. Bang Bar is a heck of a lot better than what Magic Girl or, or Cosmic Carnival. At least it's sure. yeah, somewhat no. uh, legit it, game. It, it plays, but, <laughs> but everyone's like, don't think that Big Bang Bar is expensive because it's a fun game. It's an okay mm-hmm. game. It was an okay game at the t- Like if it had come out in the 90s, it wouldn't have been a hit. It was an okay game. Yeah. The mm-hmm. art is what moves it as the well rare, as the, the story. The story yeah. behind the whole Cunningham build and everything. It's exciting. It's a neat story. Really cool story. Cactus Canyon falls into that category too of games that is more popular than it would be had there been more of them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, it's got that mystique of its low count. Last uh, traditional, you know, non-pinball 2000 that Williams did. Um, if they had gotten fleshed out more, it would have been a decent game. It's got yeah, some, I it's like got it, some cool. Yeah, yeah, it's got some cool ideas. It just feels kind of unfinished at times. Mm-hmm. Well, our uh, our last speaking of art and Dirty Donnie, our last uh, pinball topic that we have is there was some Instagram movement from Dirty Donnie where he has un- yes unveiled some strange <laughs> some Stranger Things art, which apparently has gotten people talking about whether or not Stranger Things uh, Stern could he be doing these Stranger Things art for Stern? It has been a rumor for quite a while now that Stern does have the license to do Stranger Things. That's yeah. that that's in their wheelhouse at this point. They're stable. Um, I guess while it would be fun to hold it to the end, I will note Donnie did clarify that the art is for a fuzzy ba- black like poster that he was doing for Netflix, not for Stern. So, wah, wah. but mm. I'm not seeing Stranger Things. Would that be a good pinball theme? I don't know. I think uh, they've missed the window with that. It's almost like I, it's too late now to it me could personally. Be. I mean, there's a lot of people who love it, but for me, it seems like they didn't strike while the iron was hot for that one. I think the prime time would have been just before the release of season three. Uh, mm-hmm. They have confirmed a season four. That was confirmed yeah, but, uh, earlier this week, but <laughs> I don't know. I, it could be it could be too late for it to be the big kind of hit thing you would hope for. I've seen some people say that they who have watched the show indicate that if there was a pin, they would want it to just be season one. I could see that argument. That's the good one for sure. Well, you could throw part of season two in there because the opening of season two where they're in the arcade is probably the best part of any of them. Season two goes downhill from there, but (laughs) they're in like an 80s retro arcade 
that that's pretty iconic. Okay, so no, I don't recall like... them. I, I know they didn't play any pinball. I don't even recall seeing a pin, pinball machine in the arcade. No, I don't think there was any pinball, and there was more video games. I think they were playing like Missile Command or Space. Yeah, they were playing like Missile like Command and Dig Dug and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the the interest there is. I, I get why Stranger Things is popular because it it is designed to push a bunch of nostalgia buttons, and it does it very well. And so, mm-hmm. and pinball is a very nostalgia driven hobby. So, a nostalgia within nostalgia is nostalgception. <laughs> and so that so that would have been a fun theme, Inception. But would I think though, if they did Stranger Things, it, they'd have to do one and two to incorporate the beginning of of season two with the arcade in it. That the arcade, just even the the sign for the arcade, like that's pretty what was pretty well received by people. Yeah, I. I think it might be one of those things where if they did it, they just do it as Stranger Things and just include stuff mixed in from mm. all over it without it mm. being like a season one or season two or season three thing. It would just be as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then they would just grab bag things from all of the seasons as necessary for whatever they wanted would be my guess. Well, we'll see. Uh, obviously, I I don't know. You know I guess... If maybe Stern's been pushing Stranger, I mean, if they've got the license, maybe that would be coming up, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad move to have Dirty Donnie doing artwork for Stern. But if the game was coming out fairly immediately, Donnie had been contracted to do three games with Suncoast, so I don't think Stern would use (laughs) use him while that was right, right. right. Uh, But that would be okay if the game is a ways out still and they hadn't picked an artist yet. But if the game is more imminent, I can't imagine that Stern used him. Is he on good terms with Stern? Because they, they as, what was the last game they did for them? Metallica? Uh, that- no, no. Uh, uh, Aerosmith. Oh, Aerosmith. He did the Aerosmith art. Yeah. But it just seems like you would have thought he would have been in the rotation more, especially if Franchi's not. I don't know. Maybe he still isn't. Uh, I heard there was some sort of thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I, the, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, my my general my general sense is, I mean, with all of those, you know, Yeti and and Donnie and Franchi, you know, they're all contracted. They're all contract artists, it's project by project. So I don't right. I don't know if there's necessarily an intent to do a rotation with them, or if Stern's reading the the tea leaves of sales and the reactions that they see on forums and discussion groups, and then. Are like okay, let's go and explore other artists like Johnny Crap and stuff. Let's try other artists and see how those resonate that seem to have high skill. And you know, we'll just mix things up as much as mm, we, I, as I we want. I almost think that trying out new artists is a function of too many old artists burning bridges. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think they would have been happy to keep the same rotation had everyone been getting along. It, it could be, but an, another aspect might be that there are, um. All of these artists, because they're on contract, I don't know how much they're making per game, but they're clearly all very reliant on doing other work as well. And it seems like mm-hmm. it's very stressful to do a pinball Scott. project on top of doing, because most of their other projects, I think, are a lot more straightforward. It's usually stuff like posters, band t-shirts, mm-hmm. things like that, where they have relationships established and it's probably fairly low stress. Right. And the pinball stuff seems to be a lot higher stress because they're jumping through licensor hoops. Uh, mm, they're not in too, direct communications. Uh, and obviously there's a whole lot more to do with a lot of detail and, you know, aligning with layout and everything. So, so yeah, I, I had not heard 
It's all, I mean, as far as what my sources, what little sourcing I have, Jason, I have not heard. You have more sources than I do. I, I wouldn't say <laughs> that. You're my, you're my source. <laughs> I have not, I have not heard that Dirty Donnie has burned any bridges permanently at Stern. Okay, that's good. I can't say that the same for all the artists. Yeah. Some people, there's been some fires. There have been some minor flames. So. We flamed out now on pinball, so we'll move to our video game section. Tony, you've got like three topics here. Yeah, I've got three little things. Uh, Itty bitty baby things. Tiny, tiny little things. And uh, the most interesting of them to me right now is we finally have some solid numbers on the Epic Game Store. Mm. Because the Epic Game Store has been grabbing up all of these exclusives, and one of the companies they grabbed exclusives with put out... Uh, uh, a budget call, a, a, a budget notice for investors type thing. And it included the numbers for what they got paid for their exclusive deal from Epic. And it was uh, $10.49 million. Wow. To get, and that was with Remedy and their publisher, 505 Games. To Better get, be a good game. <laughs> uh, I've not played it. Uh, the game's called Control, and it also was part of an advance for another game. But the way they did it, uh, Epic is giving out advances on sales. So basically, they're taking, oh, we'll give you what you'd make for your first so many sales to make so you're exclusive to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like uh, publishers do with well, authors. That's a good yeah. way for them to get their foot in the door because I don't think Steam was exactly uh, all that generous from a lot of the games from what I've No, heard. Steam's not all that generous with anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why they've been losing so many, especially the independent developers because the independent developers are the ones who'd be doing, you know, Kickstarters and Patreons and and early access stuff to get their game, to get enough money to finish their games. And now Epic's just walking in and going, so yeah, here's just a stack of money. Finish your game and publish with us. Mm-hmm. Right. And even if they don't do the exclusives, the the Epic share per sale percentage-wise is much smaller than Steam's. Yeah, uh, Steam is 26% or 22% now. I think they made it, I think they reduced it. And Epic's is like 12 or under. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a huge difference. Yeah. It, it's a massive, massive difference in money. And most of the problems with the Epic game store are stuff that are teething problems like steam went through. And as they get better, it's just going to be a bigger problem. And steam is going to have to do something. Steam has already uh, made major changes to their, how their library works and major changes to their entire uh, store layout that they have started rolling out in the last few months. Uh, Entirely because of the fight with Epic. They actually have to change something now. People are paying attention and they're not the big ones. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. They can't rest on their laurels. Yeah, they can't they can't just sit there and remain being the insanity that was being a monopoly. Another little bit of just interesting trivia is uh Pokemon uh did a twenty four hour live stream for their new Pokemon game, and it was just a video set up of shooting a picture like a, like a camera set up looking into a forest. That's it. And occasionally a Pokemon would walk by. <laughs> they had more than 25... So you, you watched all 24 hours of it? I did not. There were people who did. There were other... There were, li- there were people who were watching it while live streaming themselves watching it for the full 24 hours. <laughs> I'm going to stream this myself thing, watching yeah. someone watching this 
Uh, yeah, is this like those uh, those Yule log Twitch streams it's that have become like really popular? <laughs> it had more than twenty five thousand viewers. I checked it out at three thirty in the morning, and there were seventeen thousand people at three thirty in the morning in Central Time still watching this thing. I watched you it can't even get 17 people to watch a pinball stream, and there's exactly. 17,000 people watching cartoon <laughs> Pokemons run around in the woods. Yeah, but the thing is, is you'd only see a Pokemon like every 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it was literally just a clearing in a forest and some noises occasionally. And every once in a while, a Pokemon would be on screen for like three seconds. That was it. Up until like the very last like six minutes of the stream, they had my little Pokemon run out and and, and, and nuzzle on the middle of the screen and then run off. That was it. Hmm. <laughs> it was it was I just I just could not fathom the numbers of people. I know Pokemon is popular, but but for the final like hour of the stream, they were over twenty five thousand people again for the whole. That's stream. crazy. And my last little thing is a return to a discussion we had a long, long time ago about loot boxes. Mm, loot and, crate. And, and pay-to-win stuff. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint just came out. Yeah, They've got a whole crafting system and enrolled purchase system for equipment and guns and this and that. And apparently, you can buy every single thing with real money if you're willing to jump through the hoops to do it. You want a bigger magazine? Cash. Sniper scope silencer cool knife so it's not just cosmetics it is game enhancing stuff they even when the game first launched for the first week of launch had like um uh, xp bonuses and stuff like that that you just you know here's five bucks there you go you get double xp for an hour type stuff so it all the horrible stuff that ea got trashed for with uh, uh star wars last year and everything that we thought had no no, Ubisoft brought it back. I hate paying for in-game stuff. I'd rather light my money on fire. I think. But if you, but are you getting to pick the specific item and buy it versus yes. the actual loot crate? No, but I'd rather to pay win? like sixty bucks and just have a game, right? Than, and that now that than, is than pay ten bucks and get milked all the way. It's along. games yeah. as a service now, Jason. Yeah, it's games as a service. At least Everyone unlike the loot box, monthly subscription, monthly subscription of this, monthly subscription. Wow! Nah. Again, yeah, wow, vanilla classic. <laughs> But no, no, that is one thing. You choose what you want to buy here. It's not the loot crate where you buy crates and hope that you get what you want. Uh, this is the, not gambling. Uh, yeah, it's not gambling now because, you know, a bunch of companies are getting in trouble with that, especially over in the EU. Loot crates are getting just, just thrown down left and right. Uh, now, the one thing they did to keep people from really freaking, freaking out is when you go into the PvP section, it puts everybody as the exact same. So you can't buy to win. You can't pay. Oh, to it's win. just for the single player. Well, it's in the single player and the co-op and all of that. But in mm. PvP, everybody's equal. So it goes back to just skill based there. But the game's not designed around PvP. It, this is an actual uh, storyline game designed around the cooperative multiplayer right. or single player aspect. Hmm. Okay. So, well, we'll see if they. Given it's not. I don't know. I don't know if they'll get raked over the coals for it or not. They got. I have a video game topic for you guys. If we'll slip it in at the end. Yeah, that's fine. We can slip uh, it in now. I don't have, have a whole noticed lot more. Zen hasn't come out with any tables for the uh, 
you know, Zen Pinball Arcade, any Bally Williams tables in like six months, it seems like. I've not, I've noticed that I hadn't seen any announcements, but I didn't put really any thought into it. What, no, what they think? did. They, they're redoing Castle Storm. They have a new Castle Storm. Then they have a, a, a game that's, I think, an exclusive for the new Apple Arcade or something like It seems like they're stretching all their programmers really thin. And whatever programmers they did have from the pinball side, they used to port the Star Wars tables over to Switch. It seems like they, they, they don't have enough programmers to properly utilize the Bally Williams license, in my opinion. Hmm. You may be right. I, I could definitely see them desiring not to take the risk of expanding their staff, and then they've got so many ongoing projects. I mean, I my suspicion is that the license is not, you know, been taken or in the process of being taken by anyone else. No, I, I don't no, know who else would so. get it because pinball. Yeah. Ar- I'd still await to see pinball arcades bankruptcy because I they, don't have, know. they haven't admitted their death yet. They just keep they, they did a, they did a tournament the other day and the comments section was so toxic. Everyone's <laughs> like, screw you, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, I I just I mean. I, I'm waiting for, I guess because no one wants it is the only reason why Zen hasn't like taken Gottlieb from them while they, they took everything <laughs> else. Nobody wants Gottlieb. Hey, you're the king of Gottlieb. How dare you? Hey, <laughs> uh, those are vicious stereotypes that I do not subscribe to. <laughs> I do wonder if it's just a matter of too many irons in the fire or if it's more of they're trying to do a bunch of extra before they start rolling ones out. Sure. Or, or the prioritization could be based off of sales. And if they didn't move as many Bally Williams tables as they thought they would yeah. when they got mm. the license initially, they may have thought, okay, the demand isn't what we thought it would be. So these are back burner projects. Right. Because it could be that most of the people who had the actual interest already had the pinball arcade tables. Right. And, and what, well, they didn't they help things by doing dip? ones that already existed. I mean, the, everything yeah. they've done. So- I think I don't remember off the top of my head, but ninety nine percent of them. I agree, but again, you're like, well, but the most popular things are, you know, games like Medieval Madness, so we need to do the popular ones so people buy. Right. You know what they did too, though? They had the DMD uh, physics and and graphics and whatever all left over from the original tables already to a certain extent. I know they redid it, but all the games they're doing are DMD games, and all the games that they're doing are unlicensed right now so they don't have to jump through those hoops yeah they don't so that have them. to do that yeah. if you want an unlicensed dmd game chances are they've already been done by tpa so that's part of the reason why there's so much overlap i think yeah 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 and i mean tpa got through a lot of, i mean that was my big as much as i would have bothered complaining about pinball arcade was you know they too started with basically all the awesome games and then they just had to start doing B and C tier games after that. So every season mm. pack was less and less attractive because it's like, That's why I've got oh, the- Starship Troopers. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's why I have. The I bought them set. all, unfortunately. <laughs> See, I, I, I've, I've only got the first several specific season packs. And if it didn't have games that I was really all in on, I, I didn't bother. I only bought them at the season. For a while, I was trying sale. to move up their. I was trying to move up their leaderboards, so I got <laughs> sucked in. So I, I bought every <laughs> single one, and, and, and then I was like, "Why am I buying them all?" Yeah, I'm just. I don't know. Even their terrible remake, the Doctor Who remake, was so oh. bad, and I bought that <laughs> just so I could move up the leaderboards. Oh uh, yeah, you, yeah, that was the one they kickstarted, didn't they? Wasn't it? 
the, the, I never did a Kickstarter for them, but I did buy them all. Yeah. They kickstarted several. They had to do yeah. a Kickstarter for Terminator 2. They had to kickstarter Adam's Family. They had a Kickstarter. Yeah. Star Trek Next Gen was a Kickstarter. Basically, any almost any of the major movie or TV tie-ins required them to raise outside funds. To cover the licensure. Yeah. And yeah, but that, their software is such a mess. It's like they'd break other older games whenever they'd uh, modify their main engine to a cut. Like when they built Bonsai Run, the, the changes they made undermined multiple tables that would have already been in the system for a long time because they were all building all of that into their base engine as they went along. It just got probably pretty bloated. Yeah. Would be my guess. That's a cool game though. Even, even on there, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Wasn't cool enough, Jason. One cool. <laughs> I guess I paid for it probably more than once somehow. Yeah. A lot of people did. A lot of people picked it up when it was on, you know, Xbox and PlayStation 4. And- yeah, I had it on PS4 and then my son took over that TV with his Xbox. So then I got them all on my old iPad. So I bought them all at least more, at least twice, probably. <laughs> Yeah, and the, uh, you know, at the time when the Bally Williams license was leaving, you know, there was the rumor that, you know, our pinball arcade was talking about how they might do other, like, I, the impression was Capcom games, and then I was wondering maybe they do Atari games. Or I don't something. know why they wouldn't. They, if they've got the infrastructure there to do it, I mean, I, they just don't care, or, I mean, I, doesn't that, make any or, sense why they wouldn't try to milk this for whatever is left. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. Or, or if they think they've got the resources available to rebuild uh, you know, a whole new engine and then try and acquire the licenses back at a later point. Wow, that, that would seems be... Amb- that seems pretty yeah. ambitious. I don't well, that you, sometimes we have to be bold here in the world of video <laughs> games. That's, that's uh, real ambitious. <laughs> well, that's all the topics I have. Yeah, I, I said I didn't have a whole lot slated on the video games this go-round. You got anything else, Jason? Uh, no, I, I contributed to the video game section. You so did. Was- <laughs> you, you were a helper and we, th- and we thank you for it. Okay. Well, um, I guess we're at the end of the show. Jason, you want to plug where people can find you at out there on the social medias? Oh, sure. Uh, both on Facebook and on Instagram, uh, nap arcade. I don't know if, I think you just, just search for nap arcade. I guess you could do, what is it? At nap arcade. Is that how? I even just search for Nap Arcade. It'll probably come up with it. We should probably stress yeah. that. It it says start with a K, and it's silent. Ooh, that's a good one. K-N-A-P-P Arcade. Good good call. Mm, yes. Let's see. Google search Nap Arcade. What's the first thing I get? Your Facebook page. That's right. Uh-huh. It's the base operation for everything. Yep. <laughs> for those that need to reach yes. out. To our base operation, that's facebook.com slash eclectic gamers podcast. You can also email the show eclectic gamers podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitch, uh, Twitter and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And, uh, we'll be back again in two weeks. Uh, until then, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony and that's Jason. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.